If there's a bustle in your hedgerow, don't be alarmed now. It's just the Led Zeppelin episode of the Metal Shop Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast with me, Big Frog. And me, Mike Castleberry. And this week we are getting into the mighty, mighty Led Zeppelin. Yep, that's uh, that's one I I guess you could say we kind of put off. <laughs> yeah, in a sense, I guess it's because they're not one of my favorite bands. I don't know if you would consider them one of your favorite bands. You know, um, they were. It's just like, it's it's weird. That's... I feel like Led Zeppelin's one of those bands you like they're perfect to get into when you're like a teenager and then the older you get you maybe don't appreciate them as much anymore but then you start kind of looking back and looking into some of the shit they did and you start to appreciate it a bit more and yeah I think what it really boiled down to is um I kind of got bored of them I got tired of hearing the same songs on the radio all the time and you know when you have a band that hasn't been active for 40 years um it's hard to just you know there's no more deep cuts anymore at that point it's just like right there's nothing new to listen to so some people that's fine they can listen to the same shit forever and ever and ever i personally i want like i like when my bands are active like yes metallica is my favorite band and yes i prefer their older shit and i still listen to it but I like knowing that every few years or so, there's going to be a new Metallica record for me to check out the new shit and see what I think of it compared to the old shit. Right. You know what? I, I can see what you're saying because, um, and I'll morph this into my, when I first became aware type of thing. Obviously, I mean, Zeppelin was on the radio. Like, you know, uh, like you have mandatory Metallica nowadays. It was basically like mandatory Zeppelin all the days, you know, so... We, we, you know, we always heard Zeppelin on the radio, but like you said, they weren't a, a current band. And so like when in 82, when I got, um, you know, really into like heavy metal and shit, that's when Coda came out. And that was like their, you know, they put together everything that they had left and, you know, kind of made an album out of yeah. it and put it out. And that was, you know, the, the final Zeppelin album. And it was, you know, whatever. It was not that great. But, uh, so yeah, you know, for my whole life, basically like of really intense music listening anyway, Zeppelin's been a band of the past, you know, yeah. apart from a couple of gigs that they've done, you know, here and there, but, but yeah, you know what, in, in, uh, in reference to that, I just thought of about, you know, because obviously I never saw Led Zeppelin, right? But there would have been like a possibility that I could have seen if somebody wanted to take me at eight years old. Yeah. To Sports Arena in 77 to see him. I probably, you know, that could have happened, I guess, conceivably. But that would have been two years before the uh, 
Alice Cooper incident or <laughs> not when I was 10. But other than that, they came here a lot. They came in 69, 70, uh, 73, 75, 77. And, and then that was it. Um, but actually they came like in, uh, on 8, 10, 69 to the sports arena. And so I would have been like seven months old at that point. And they had actually came at January 13th of 69 to the Fox Theater, which is where I saw Triumph at for my first official show. And that would have been a month before I was born. Yeah. So that would have been the first gig here in San Diego. Yeah. So they came a bunch of times. Well, yeah, no, that's what's kind of funny because I don't know if you remember the movie Almost Famous, which... It wasn't about Led Zeppelin, but the stand-in band for that um, were kind of Led Zeppelin-y. And, you know, the guy that wrote it, he used to cover Zeppelin and stuff for, like, Rolling Stone when he's a teenager. And the opening scene is when he's going to see the band at the San Diego Sports Arena. So Right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's cool. Uh as far as what I like know about like the beginnings of um, of Zeppelin is, uh, you know, Jimmy Page was one of those like he was from the South. And it's funny because when they um, interviewed like those type of dudes, like the guys that were in their bands and how they are now, you know, those guys are like they interview them on estates and shit like that, mm -hmm. you know. When they interview like the dudes that used to be in Iron Maiden, it's at some gritty ass looking pub somewhere or something, <laughs> you know. So it kind of tells you like the difference between the like the societies because um, Jimmy Page was like a fancy kid, like art school yeah. and that type of shit, you know. Whereas opposed to like the Sabbath dudes or whatever who were getting caught stealing and shit like that, you know. But he came up, you know, playing guitar. He was on TV as a real youngster talking about playing guitar and stuff he did at school is weird i don't know what kind of show it was but I, I tripped out on it and um and so he becomes like a highly wanted session guy mm -hmm. so he's in the studios like you know all the time oh, yeah, yeah. and um you know and so basically like what's a trip was like his his uh coming up that way it was like whereas the beatles were like i mean whereas the um sabbath was in Birmingham, like, you know, worshiping the Beatles or whatever, like Jimmy Page knew the Beatles because he played like sessions on one of their soundtracks for albums or whatever. So that's where this dude um, comes from. Right. And then, you know, the story of the Yardbirds, right? Yeah. They're kind of like that was the whole, you know, they were like kind of like the super group in some ways, not like a super group, super group, but they're kind of like that's the band that. If you're in it, you're the dude. You're like the guitar right. god of the era. Like so right. they, it's kinda like how, you know, um how Ozzy would you know, would be the guy that's like, Oh, if you're in Ozzy's band, you're probably right. one of the top dudes on guitar. That's how it was for them. So it was, you know, got, Yeah. So yeah. Totally. So that's yeah, so that's how it was with them and and uh and that John Mayall 
his blues breakers band that had like Clapton and those dudes too. But Jimmy, like he was doing sessions. He hated it because he said like, you know, sometimes it was cool, but sometimes it was like elevator music and you just had to play the same shit over and over and over. Or sometimes you're like in there because the band that he had was sick. John Paul Jones was actually in that studio band and they were sick. So they would be like, kill a session. And then the dude would be in the booth going, yeah, that was okay. Can we do like another one? You know, whatever. Because he's just like factory dude, you know. He doesn't fucking know about music really. Mm -hmm. So Jimmy Page wanted to get out of that shit. So he joined the Yardbirds as a bass player because that's what they needed. He's just like, fuck it. He just wanted to join the band. So, yeah. So that's how that started. But then the trippy thing is that what they got out of him being in the Yardbirds, besides that at first they were the new Yardbirds, yeah. was that he got this manager dude, Peter Grant. And that fool was a sicko. Like, he fucking, he took, like, the music industry by storm once he figured out that he had leverage and shit. He, like, brokered new deals with venues, like, fuck you, I'm not giving you that split. You're giving me, like, 20% more than you thought you were. And since, um... Since Jimmy Page knew him from the Yardbirds days, they were like, he was legit, right? So like where Sabbath it was getting robbed and shit, these fools were getting paid right from the first album. Yeah. Because they because of that manager. So yeah. Speaking of the first album, what do you think of it? You know, it's all right. It's, you know, the early Zeppelin for me, it's not quite my my thing i'm into at this point because you know that first record came out in 69 and there's very much a, a 60s band still at that point they're a little heavier on some songs and other shit but most of it is it's just blues it's and the interesting thing is uh when i had watched you know stuff about uh about zeppelin is they had always wanted to be respected by like the music critics and this and that, like the same way that like all the bands that blew up in the sixties did like, they thought of themselves like on par with like, Oh, they wanted that same respect as like the Beatles got and, you know, Hendrix and all that. And they never quite got that respect in that era. Cause they kind of, you know, they were trying to be like serious musicians and for, you know, that ended up being kind of like a jock band. So, you know, right. Like I, when I was taking a history of rock and roll in college a million years ago, my first time through, uh, my teacher was, you know, the professor is telling me, um, he has told us how at the time when Zeppelin was on the radio, when they were huge and blowing up, he couldn't stand them. He just thought right. he called them cock rock. Like it was okay. just like, <laughs> So to him, it was like he is into like different shit. And to them, they're just kind of this big, loud, stupid band that all the jocks were into and all that. Like it wasn't like the serious music students were listening to Zeppelin, you know. Right. It was the football players and shit like that. So they never quite got that in the time. They were never quite respected the way they wanted to be. And then they eventually just went all in on like, okay, well, we're just going to be this insane rock act. We're going to be crazy partying rock stars and blah, 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 blah. And just took that to a whole new level. Right. Yeah. You know, um, the one thing that I can say for sure about the first Zeppelin album is that 
it's produced way better than anything else that was out at the time. Like it's uh, like really, if you listen to it now, it almost still holds up with the with more modern production. And I think that's because those fools were studio rats and they already knew all about that shit mm-hmm. as opposed to where like Iron Maiden was like, just fucking trust this engineer, you know? And yeah. And Sabbath was like, okay, let's do this in a day. You know, um, Zeppelin did, did that album right. And so it's like a proper album. not true wanted a woman never bargained for you lots of people talking few of them know soul of a woman was created Yeah, which is rare for a first album, you know, of of those days. Although it's tricky nowadays to really know for sure, because like, honestly, anytime you're listening to anything nowadays, it's, you know, a remaster and this and that. Like nobody, I like none of us have like heard like the original recordings anymore at this point, like as they were when it released in 69. But right. Yeah, that's true, but like I mean, you can you can do a lot in the studio as far as remastering and stuff, but there's like some things. I mean, you know, like you're not going to fix Rockerola, you know, <laughs> it's just it's not on the tape, you know what I mean? Yeah. But um but yeah, no, I understand what you're saying though, but like if you, com- you like if you were to compare them to uh remixes of albums that were out at the time, you know, um because like let it bleed from the stones was out tommy was out stand up by jethro tull we probably you probably never heard that shit <laughs> but uh grand funk railroad you know um they were sounding well they didn't sound more modern than than the mc5 but uh but most of these things like they were just way produced way better so it's just like it was an it was an impressive album in that way and then it had a it had a bunch of good songs on it. The trippy thing about this one is that most of these songs are like new yardbirds type songs. Mm-hmm. So Robert Plant really only gets writing credit on one of these. So if you're like thinking that like the Zeppelin lyrical style is the Robert Plant lyrical style, that doesn't start until later. Yeah. That starts, you know, on the second, third, and as and increasingly as it goes on. Most of these first album lyrics were written by Jimmy Page or somebody that Jimmy Page knew or knew about or something. So yeah. So that's that's just the interesting thing about, about this one. Yeah, but uh so after that, basically they go on tour with vanilla fudge and um Carmine Apiece says that 
they were the first band that ever blew them away, you know? And so that was a, that was a trip. And so then they go and they, and they do a tour of small clubs and theaters. Uh, in LA, they did a weekend at the whiskey. And, um, so they got acquainted with the sunset strip life. Here they did the Fox theater that, that time. And they went back to uh, England expecting like heroes welcome and shit, but they didn't give a fuck about them. And like you said, the the press didn't give a fuck about them. So they were just like um, really thinking that they only were like hitting here. So when they did this uh, second album, they just came straight back here. And then they just toured arenas. And by the end of that tour, they were like, they were like the biggest band going. Yeah. If you want to go by the real start in some way as a Led Zeppelin, as people kind of know him, I would say it's mostly it's Led Zeppelin 2 because it's not a bunch of leftover New Yardbird songs. That's the one that other than, you know, the one cover they did on it where uh, Robert Plant has a writing credit on every single song. So it's like he's fully in there and that's when the band kind of hits its point of like, okay, this is what Led Zeppelin actually is going to be. Actually on this one, I like most of the songs. So that's, this is, this would definitely be the, the album that I like most songs on. With Zeppelin, I think the rule adheres that um, if it has a riff, I'm going to like the song. And if it doesn't, I'm not going <laughs> to. You know, because if it's like folksy or if it's like, you know, slow blues, that's all cool and everything. But I mean, well, not not for me, because I'm not going to listen to folk from anyone. <laughs> but um, but I might listen to some blues from a, like a real blues dude. That'd be probably, you know, better. So, yeah, that and I think that's the thing that about Zeppelin that separates them from my favorite, favorite bands is that if I took the whole Zeppelin catalog of songs, I would say I probably like about half of them. Yeah. You know, so that's not really good enough to qualify as a as like one of your go to bands. Yeah. You know? But but this album's fucking great. And I think this is the album where like Jimmy Page came into his own. I like Jimmy Page as a guitarist. I I like um, a lot of the things he does as far as orchestration, st uh, the way he structures things. And, you know, he's got that 12-string shit and the acoustic shit he does. Love it. You know, as a lead player, I really, he's not my thing. You know, like, he's routinely placed in the top five 
of guitarists and where Ace is like in the 30s sometimes or something. And I think that Ace is a better lead player than Jimmy. Mm-hmm. You know, solo for solo, I'll take Ace's I'll take Ace's top 10 solos over Jimmy Page's top 10 solos any day. Yeah. You know, but Jimmy Page did so much more shit, you know, and was and was like the leader of the band as opposed to the fucking one they had to fucking come on, dude, fucking keep it together. Yeah. You know, so I kind of think he I, I think he gets a lot of credit, but he gets credit for the wrong shit. He should get more credit for other things. Than, than for uh, like a lead guitar player. Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of funny with the comparisons to Ace because, you know, you talk to the dudes in Kiss and they talk about, oh, man, if Ace would have been such a fuck up, he could have been like the next Jimmy Page. He could have been right this and that. And I think, yeah, like you said, if you want to go heads up, I mean, Ace is he's much more of a just straight ahead hard rock guitarist. <laughs> Where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy had a lot, lot more uh, stuff he did, like you said, in studio. He had a little bit more range as to the kind of shit he would play. So it's kind of like Ace would kind of mastered like one facet of what Jimmy Page did, whereas right. Jimmy was more versatile in, especially like you said, especially in uh, in the studio, which is one of my problems with Led Zeppelin. I think at some point, you know, when you start getting around like Led Zeppelin 4 and shit like that and onward, they get, start getting a little bit too good in the studio. And that's when you start seeing right. them putting together shit where if you can't really reproduce it live, yeah. I don't have a whole lot of use for it a lot of times because right. it's cool on a record. But like when you go see it, it's not going to sound anywhere near as cool as on the record right. it's gonna be a watered down version of it because on the record you layered in a million things and have orchestras and this and that but mm-hmm. live when it's just the band it's not going to be remotely like that and it's like when i saw um a led zeppelin tribute act i think it was like get the lead out a few years back my mm-hmm. parents went to go see that and they asked me me and the wife if we wanted to go and we we're all up for a free dinner so we said yeah uh, hell yeah <laughs> but uh <laughs> we went and they had like three guitarists on stage and you know backup vocals and this and that and like at one point right this the singer goes okay so i'm sure a lot of you are asking yourself so and the, the lead singer doesn't look like Robert Plant at all. He's this tall, tall dude with like curly, dark hair. And he's like, so mm. you're probably wondering why uh, Howard Stern is the lead singer of the band. <laughs> and Robert Plant is playing lead guitar in the band because, the you know, the, the guitarist was blonde. Right. And he's like, we're 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 a tribute to the music. We're not impersonators. We're trying to recreate the sound of the records in a live setting. So that's why you're going to see three or four guitars on stage and this and that. And it was super cool because it sounded like the fucking records and it took that many extra people to do it. But if you saw Zeppelin back in the day, I'm sure you had a good time. But you know, for me, when I see a band live, I want that. I want the live version to be the definitive version. I want it to be like, okay, 
this was cool on the record, but when they fucking play it live, it's a whole nother level. And Zeppelin it couldn't really achieve that. It's not like, you know, with Deep Purple, it's the opposite. When you listen to the Deep Purple tracks, they're okay on the album. And then you see them live, and Richie Blackmore is a fucking madman. And it's just this... Right. And they're doing, like, extended jam versions of songs. And everything they do is amplified. Yeah, where, you totally. Know, yeah, I mean, you know, famously, the famous part of whole lot of love where it's you know not a whole lot of love they don't, that's not they don't do that live <laughs> it's not you don't hear that in their live performances it's just a studio trick and it's like one of their uh, most famous pieces of music yeah. really well so that's a trip what's frustrating to me too is instead of doing because when i list i watch the live stuff and it's still cool i don't want to say i don't want to say it sucks it's different but i just i do dislike the fact that in place of being able to replicate how that shit sounded on the record and then amplify it, it's just shit like, you know, Jimmy Page using like a fucking violin bow on his like guitar. Mm -hmm. And that's just like, right. It doesn't sound cool to me. It's just, it seems like a bunch of like noise where people are like, oh, that's crazy. Who, nobody thought of doing that before. It's like, yeah, because it doesn't sound good. It's just this loud ass noise he's making right now. Like it's not like a cool solo. It's just bizarre noises that hurt your ears. You know what? But you have no idea like how many people when I was growing up had posters on their wall of Jimmy Page with that bow. Yeah. You know, it was like the it was cool somehow, you know. So that I mean, you know, and that's another thing too, to give them credit, they they were cool as fuck. Like, I mean, they look cool. People worship them. Like, you know, chicks worship them. They were fucking rock stars to a degree that probably didn't exist before that. Oh, yeah. No, they they definitely took rock stardom to another level. Like when like when the Beatles blew up and they're like the biggest rock stars in the world, when they're like in their teeny bopper phase. It was a bunch of teenage girls being like, oh, my God, they're crying in the, right, the stands right, 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 right. and they all have their favorite one. And it's like, oh, you know, they're writing, you know, you know, their initials and a heart and Paul McCartney or something on their folders. But it wasn't like right. teenage girls being like, man, I want Ringo to fuck the shit out of me. Like, that's not right. what was happening with the Beatles. Like. And it was, that's what was going on with Led Zeppelin, which, you know, you posted that thing the other day with, uh, yeah, with our old friend Pamela DeBars, uh, talking about that shit and how old rock stars got away with it during that era. Cause she was like, yeah, I was old at 21. Like all these baby groupies started showing up and she's like, and I mean, babies, they were 13 or 14 years old and all the guys yeah. were getting into that. And it's like, Nowadays, no, but Ooh. this was like, yeah, that's like what the charges pending. Yeah. Like I guess, well, you know, statute of limitations ran out on everything, but it's like back then all these dudes, especially Zeppelin were out there banging young teenage girls and dating them openly right. and shit like that. And nobody did anything. And like, yeah, it's funny because they interview that girl, Lori Maddox, and she talks about it like she doesn't talk about like, oh, I was 
abused or I was. Oh, no. You know, she was in love. Yeah. She's like, I was in love with Jimmy Page. And it's like, yeah, but yeah. was he in love with yeah. you? <laughs> right. Yeah. No. And it's like, yeah, that's some crazy shit. And as you noticed with my post, nobody cared. Nobody like, was like Jimmy, you. Jimmy just, yeah, Jimmy gets a pass. And considering such a sore subject that, you know, plagiarism is also, he's kind of gotten a pass on that too. I mean, other than, you know, people talk shit in passing, I guess. Yeah. But nobody's fucking, you know, nobody's burning Led Zeppelin records about it or anything like that. Well, yeah. Either thing, you know? What's funny, when I see dudes talk about the plagiarism thing specifically, mm. Not only do people not give a shit when it comes up, they're like of the opinion, oh, he took that shit and he made it better. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. I I, I don't think you'd feel that way if it was your shit. No. You know? But you know what it is? <laughs> I've seen that with people when they talk about joke thieves and shit. I've seen right. sim a similar thing where sometimes, you know, someone's like, oh, so-and-so famous comic stole my fucking joke and i've seen people flat out like well they're famous and you're not maybe that's all you were ever good for is one joke like your your right. one joke got taken by someone that made it famous and made it quote better and you're never gonna mm -hmm. touch them like you're none of your jokes are gonna put you to that level like and i think there's some people that think that's how they feel like with these you know musicians that maybe Zeppelin bit off of them a little more. Right. They admitted right. they're like, well, nobody knows. Nobody knows who these fucking guys are. Everybody knows who Led Zeppelin is. So if these guys were so good, they would have had a bunch of hits too. It's like maybe all this band was ever good for was given, you know, Jimmy Page the inspiration for the opening of Stairway to Heaven, you know? Right. Because that's, you know? yeah, that's a, one of the big ones is this guy's like, oh, they ripped off part of our song for stairway to heaven and it's like yeah but nobody knows your song everybody knows stairway to heaven right. so apparently he did something better than you which i don't agree with right i think if you're gonna fucking no if you're gonna do that if you're gonna lift something fucking pay him at least give him a little exactly that's what i think that's what i think i mean you know like um like some of these dudes these down south blues dudes i mean a hundred grand would have changed their world. Yeah, you know, or so just just a little bam, you know, to to thanks for the fucking, you know. Um, but I guess if you do that, then you're admitting something. Yeah, or something. So you can't do that, you know. Or but, yeah, admit yeah. to inspiration and fucking put their name out there. So maybe right someone goes, oh, I want to hear this band that inspired Led Zeppelin. Because people will do that. That's, like I said, mm -hmm. so many bands I got into are because Metallica said that their inspirations to them, they covered their songs or they just talked about the bands. Like, I don't know if I would, I never would have thought to listen to Diamond Head or Tigers of Pantang or UFO or so many bands if I hadn't heard Metallica talking about, them, you know? And it's like, right. they, they were in the position to lift, potentially lift, careers of like especially these old bl blues dudes that you know they were so infatuated with but never made a dime you know if they're still around like you said they could have kicked them a little bit of money 
and they would have mm-hmm. been, you know, that would have changed their life. It's like these guys were out there scraping by right. in the 30s and then some band comes by and cop, you know, covers their shit without really attributing it to them like, you know, 30, 40 years later. I don't know. So in other words, they could have been more like Robin Williams, right? Yeah. And less like Mencia, yeah. you know? <laughs> Yeah, did Robin Williams kick dudes uh, money for jokes? He- yeah, when people when people came up to him and said, "Hey, man, you know, back in the days, you did whatever," he'd be like, "Really? All right." And he'd like figure it out, and if there was something to it, he'd kick him down something. Well, Robin Williams is a whole other thing, man. When he was doing stand up, yeah. that dude was just like a tornado of energy and cocaine, oh, yeah. and yeah, I don't think he. It's like you know that episode of. Uh, uh, Louie, where he's talking to Dane Cook, and Dane Cook's talking mm-hmm. about, you know, sometimes shit just gets caught up in my intake and it was all sucked in and I don't even know it. I just I don't feel like Robin Williams ever intentionally stole from anyone. I think he was just such a manic maniac that yeah, he was... everything around him just got sucked into the vortex of Robin Williams and just got shot out on stage. <laughs> yeah, Totally like stream of consciousness style. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. That's why nobody can do that, what he did. Not nobody that I know of, anyway. All right, so we're going down the uh, the Zeppelin albums. And um, three was super whack to me. I like, I like one song, two songs. The rest is just not my thing. Yeah. Uh, too acoustic-y for me. And, you know, which, I mean, when I came up, a lot of times when I would hear Zeppelin albums was like at somebody's house getting stoned with them or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and Zeppelin was so good to get stoned to. It was the, the good albums to get high to. People liked it for that reason, I think. Yeah. And it was like a groovy album, whatever. So that's cool, you know, whatever. But it wasn't my thing. Yeah, I mean, it it does have Immigrant Song, though, which is one of those right. big riffy songs that everybody knows. Right, so. yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, I love that song. But again, like, you know, if it was uh, if it was a Sabbath album and I only like two songs on it, I'd be fucking pissed. Yeah. You know, I'd be like, what the fuck is this shit, you know? So, you know, it's just, again, it's cool. And and again, that song is a is a all timer, so that's. I mean, if you can get one of those, I would suggest you get one. But yeah, it's just you know, it it's not one of my favorite <laughs> albums of theirs. And then the next one is, obviously, I mean, you know, fucking four or whatever. They, on, uh, I was watching that metal show and they, they had this up for uh, 
one of the worst album covers. And he's fucking uh, uh, Jim Florence. He's like, it's an old guy with sticks. <laughs> Yo. But it's like a it's a picture of an old guy with sticks on the wall. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That other dude, I think it was Don Jameson. goes, yeah, it's like Jimmy Page picked up that picture at like a yard sale. He's like, yeah, this is going to be the cover. <laughs> They're like, what the fuck? That's something we might have to do one time. It doesn't work as well in a audio format, but a uh, best and worst album covers episode will be fun. Oh, yeah. But, you know. I was just, I just watched that, um, that doc. I have to send it to you. It's called, um, Murder in the Front Row. And it's the story of the, of the Bay Area thrash scene, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's a, a lot of Exodus and a lot of, um, you know, Slayer and when Metallica went up there and all that, all that whole story. It's pretty cool. But, uh, definitely that Exodus bonded by blood is one of the worst album <laughs> covers. I was looking at that the other day. I was just like, oh, Jesus, that's bad. That's bad. It's a great album, but it's terrible. And this and this one, that like that one to me, bonded by blood is worse than this one than four. Although I don't know if it's worse than Houses of the Holy. Now that I'm looking at that, but um, <laughs> bonded by blood. I never looked at that one before. That shit's hilarious. That's like, <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> what if? <laughs> What's with fucking metal bands doing like weird baby shit on their albums around that time yeah. period? Um, like everybody had a baby on the cover. Anyway, <laughs> that's just hilarious. The funny thing is, is I remember with Led Zeppelin four. I guess that's kind of the de facto what everybody calls it now is Led Zeppelin four because yeah. it's the untitled album. You know, I've heard it referred to as you know their untitled album, Led Zeppelin four, Zozo. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. One kid in high school just like referred to it as like runes, like because like the title was just runes? like the the four runes they used. Right. Okay. But, you know. Yeah. I've only heard that from like one dude like in high school. <laughs> yeah. On the on the Wikipedia it says um, studio album by Led Zeppelin, untitled. But then at the top of the page it says Led Zeppelin four, yeah. and then the first line is Zoso redirects here. So yeah, called a bunch of shit. Yeah, man. I mean, what what can you say about this shit, man? Black Dog, fucking rock and roll, Stairway to Heaven, fucking Misty Mountain Hop, going to California when the levee breaks. Hey, hey, mama said the way you move gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove.
This shit is, you know, it's a uh, pretty, it's a pretty badass album. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's got like the ranks here are, uh, classic rock has it as the number one rock album ever. And it ranges from one to four to seven to 24. Uh, but yeah, it's in a lot of people's hot 100 or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's definitely, I mean, that's a, it's a killer. They fucking hit like their full stride. Uh, like I said, this is exactly around where I said, though, it gets real studio y. Because <laughs> those are yeah, great songs. I love almost every song on here. Um, but, you know, Stairway to Heaven even isn't quite the same live, you know, stuff like the Battle of Evermore oh, no. yeah. and stuff, you know. That's when you get a lot of that studio trickery that it's not quite able to replicate with, you know, a right. three-piece band. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, the band themselves are a power trio, and but they record... You know, as if they have extra guitars and shit. So yeah, as a twenty piece, yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely true. You know, there's uh, additional musicians, additional producers, additional. Yeah, there's a lot of additional. But yeah, you know, uh, the thing about this one is that basically uh, it starts to go downhill after that for me. I start I start liking like less songs per album. Mm-hmm. Each each album usually has at least one or two great songs on it, but then the rest of it is not to not to my liking. And coincidentally, it was after four that you know personal problems and stuff start happening with the band. Robert Plant's son died. Some other tragedies. I can't remember. Some other thing happened too. The intake of the band started to go up a lot. You know, he said John Bottom didn't like being on the road. Like, he wanted to be home and be a family man. And when he was home, he was like that. They say, like, a nice guy and super into his kids and his wife and whatever. But when he was on the road and drinking, he was like a totally different Mm -hmm. dude, which I can kind of identify with. But so that started being an issue. And then the cocaine on the other, on, uh, on Jimmy's side and you know so it wasn't like they were they had hit a a point where they were leveling off from the rocket ship that had shot up at first you know but they were still selling out everywhere and they were still selling millions of albums and the thing about it is that they you know like I said because of their manager they had all their money they were never uh they never had to sue anyone or fucking you know shit they got sued if anything but they never you know they never had to like oh this these guys ripped us off so bad or whatever because they had that one dude man peter grant he's uh he's um, uh i think he's been depicted like loosely in different movies as just this manager that's a fucking like you know go-getter motherfucker Mm -hmm. but they've never really said it was him strictly but he's an important dude in their career for sure and especially during this time because he was trying to he was trying to like hold it together when they were starting to fucking come apart a little bit all right houses of the holy houses of the holy was released in 73 
couple of honey Maybe more than enough Oh, darling, darling, darling Walk a while with me You got so much, so much, so much. So, tr- so all those albums that we talked about already yeah. were released between 69 and 73. Yeah, they kind of had a pretty gnarly pace, although this is where we start getting into, you know, because the first two albums were both released in 69. Uh, this is when you start getting into like a, a couple of years between records because they did four between 69 and 71, you know. Right. So it's like now right. you get like the two-year waiting period on them right just about or a year or two right yeah they're spending a lot of time getting high they're spending a lot of time in the studio uh, which tends to go together right because that's what queen used to do that's what uh um fleetwood mac used to do a lot of bands were sabbath a lot of bands were famous for just you know taking it to the taking it to the hilt in the studio and just going hour for hour for Mm -hmm. hour yeah, and House of the Holy's got that fucking cover. You, I don't know what's up with that. Couldn't do that now, <laughs> or or why you would want to do that. I'm, I don't know, but uh, yeah, that was a trip. That was a trip. It probably came out probably right at the same time as like Virgin Killer. Yeah, I was thinking the same <laughs> thing. Where it's like shit, yeah. dude. <laughs> but uh, what's funny is this is the one where until recently. I didn't even know how to pronounce the title of the fucking song. I've had to read the song, like read the explanation of the title because that's where they have the kind of um, reggae sounding track. And I look at it, uh-huh. I'm like, Dyer Mocker? Like, what the fuck? But it's supposed to be Jamaica spoken with an English accent. So that's supposed to be pronounced like Jermaker, basically. <laughs> Oh Lord! Wow. And I'm like, that's clever. I'm like, that's an annoying title for a song, and I, it's a song I actually enjoy. But yeah, this is only recently I kind of looked and saw, like, okay, that's this is how it's supposed to be pronounced. Okay, <laughs> right. So yeah, like you said, then it would be two more years before Physical Graffiti came out. Okay, so Physical Graffiti was uh, a double album. Yeah. And it came out in uh, 75. Yeah, I mean, Cashmere, obviously, again, all-timer. But, again, like, just not a lot of favorite things for me. You know, like, Cashmere, obviously, they have to play live. But any of these other songs, if they don't play them live, that's probably okay. You know? (laughs) 
was going to say, I feel like this is around the time period that they've kind of, they're starting to exit their kind of classic, you know, era at this point. Like, you know, you got a double album released on your own label, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of jerking yourselves off a little bit at that point. And, you know, like you said, you look at it and there's some cool shit on there, but when you start looking at the albums going forward, you start kind of seeing less and less what you consider staples. Right. I think that they're kind of burning themselves out at this point, you know, because Cashmere obviously is, you know, an all-time classic. Houses of the Holy, it's starting to, you know, it's petering out around this time for them. And which is funny because, you know, they're still releasing shit. They have, you know, presence a year later. Then the song remains the same the same year, you know. Right. Which on the song remains the same. Basically, those are most of the songs that I like, you know. So that I mean, in that sense, it's cool because if you go see Zeppelin live, it's a kick ass show with all the songs that mm-hmm. you like, usually, you know. So that's awesome. And again, if I had been around at the time, it probably would have been to where I kind of stopped buying the albums like I do with a lot of bands, you know, where it's just like, okay, yeah, that new shit ain't so great. And I guess there's no reason that wouldn't happen with them too, right? You know, then uh, in through the outdoor and in through the outdoors, the last proper album. That's, you know, right. John Bonham dies yeah. not that long after, you know. Right. And you know what? As we get into John Bonham, we should also get into, uh, I mean, everyone, you know, because we didn't really go over uh, everybody on their own strengths and everything besides Jimmy Page. But um, Bonham, I mean, he was, he's the quintessential hard rock drummer. Right, like everybody and their mother who who plays drums now lists him as an influence, you know, because he was just so rock solid, so hard a hitter, you know. He he uh, did amazing shit with his foot pedals and shit. So yeah, you know. And the funny thing is that he was um, it was him and uh, Robert Plant that were friends, and Robert Plant, unlike Jimmy Page. He was from like the uh, like where Sabbath and them were from. They're like not I don't know if not Birmingham, yeah. but a town like that, you know. And so they were kind of more like dirty sleazy guys. 
and the other uh, John Paul Jones and um, and Jimmy Page were studio guys. So it was kind of like a that kind of a marriage, you know. But um, but yeah, man, Bonham was sick as fuck. Fucking uh, John Paul Jones, solid as fuck on bass and keyboards. And, you know, um, Robert Plant. I mean, like the same way that all the bands that I that were in the 80s were all trying to be David Lee Roth. All the bands after Zeppelin were all trying to be Robert oh, yeah. Plant. And he was just, you know, he had like, you know, amazing pipes, you know. Even though, like I say, <clears throat> I'm not really the, I don't like this super singy high thing, you know. But it's all right. He, he didn't do it like to excess. So I dug it. You know, uh, you know, the chicks loved him. You know, um, Golden God and all that shit, you know. So, yeah, man, in that sense, I mean, each each one of them was a bad motherfucker. Yeah. You know, and that's why they became what they became. But, you know, for Bonham, you can't, like, it's one of those things, man. You can't go pedal to the metal all the time. And that's what they said about Dude is that he just liked to, like, he said he would party every night like he had 12 hours to live. Yeah. You know, so it's like, fuck, dude. And I know what they mean when they say that. It's like, you can't fucking live long, dude. No, it's... You yeah. know, so... It's, you know, you when you party every night like you got 12 hours to live, eventually you're going to be right. <laughs> you know. Uh, funny enough, where you bring up the, you know, when you talk about all the, you know, Led Zeppelin knockoffs that came after... You have shit like, you know, that got to a point where uh, Gary Moore had that song Lead, uh, Lead Clones specifically right. making fun yeah. of uh, bands like that. And they're, I guess they're specifically making fun of Kingdom Come. <laughs> yeah, that, w- that was bad. Uh, there, you know, there was, there was quite, I mean, there still is, you know, with, uh, with the Van Fleet oh, of the world. And there's, a, yeah, and there's another newer band too that, uh, that, actually sounds like Greta Van Fleet even more than they sound like Led Zeppelin, but they all kind of sound like each other. Yeah. You know, it's There's like Wolf Mother a while back. Um, those dudes we saw open for Sabbath, uh, Forgotten oh, yeah. Sons or something oh, like that. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Rival, Rival Sons. Sons. That's what it is. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, mm-hmm. What's interesting to me is they had all these tensions in the band Obviously, because once you're all famous and a bunch of drunks and druggies, tensions happen. But Bonham was like the breaking point from like when he died, they're like, okay, the band's done. But what's interesting Mm -hmm. is they disbanded the band because, you know, a key member passed away. But then after that, you kind of had this animosity between Jimmy Page and Robert Plant for years, you know, like when... uh, when like uh, Coverdale Page did that album, you had Robert Plant mm-hmm, talking mm-hmm. shit about it. Like he's like, "Oh, they're trying to do Led Zeppelin, but it's a bad Led Zeppelin." Like that kind of shit, you know. So like there was like this kind of shit talking back and forth between the two for reasons I can't really ever figure out. But what's funny to me is I feel like Robert Plant—I don't want to say he won, but. I feel like Jimmy Page, no, I mean, obviously nobody's done anything as big as Zeppelin, post-Zeppelin. Robert Plant has done his own thing 
for decades now. Like he had, he's had tons of solo albums in the two thousands. He did a couple of those, you know, bluegrass records with that one shit. Yeah. Honey drippers. Yeah. So he's been doing his own thing and people, and he's the one that's the holdup in Led Zeppelin reunions because they right. always, you know, they want to do it. And he's always like, no, thank you. Because he's, he's like, I'm not that dude anymore. That's mm-hmm. not something I'm interested in rehashing. He's always been his whole persona is like just moving forward. You know, I'm always doing something new. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to go back and rehash old shit. And he did like the one-off show. Like they did like the, what the live aid thing at one point. And then he mm-hmm. did that. They did that one-off show in like 2009 or something like that. After that, they're like, oh, we can make so much money with a Led Zeppelin reunion tour. And he was like, I don't want to do that, though. I'd rather have, you know, yeah. this, you know, I'd rather do this thing. This is and I think part of it. Yeah. If he is able to still sing like he did in the 70s, I think he'd probably be a little more open to it. But I think he knows his limitations sure. and doesn't have any interest in putting forward a subpar version of Led Zeppelin when he could. Right. tailor his voice to different material i mean if he if he wanted to do it he could like have you know have a chick up there on stage with or even backstage with them and hit those yeah. notes with him you know and shit like that do the coverdale you know? thing but you know, the right but the thing is that i don't think like i think he was always the holdout and i think that's where the animosity came from was because he was the one that was john bonham's friend from before yeah. from when they were kids you know, so he's the one that like, I mean, I'm sure they all felt it, obviously, but he's the one that was like the most devastated and shit when it yeah. happened. And I and I'm pretty sure he was the one that was like, yeah, I'm not going to fucking do none of this. Shit. Yeah. You know, so that's probably where the animosity came from. But they did have a thing like uh, another on my list is uh, Plant Page came to the sports arena in 95. Yeah. So if you if you had never that would have been another that and that was right in my prime uh concert going years. So I really didn't care about it. <laughs> You're like, oh cool. Because otherwise I would have definitely gone. Hey man, you wanna go see half of Led Zeppelin? <laughs> Not really. Yeah, no yeah, but you know what? I'm sure it's sold out though. I'm sure it's sold out and and uh and yeah, you know, I mean, like I say, it's for a lot of people, Zeppelin is like way deep in like the soundtrack of their lives, especially people mm-hmm. my age, 
My People my age are all about Led Zeppelin. There was a couple of things that turned me off to Led Zeppelin, which was, you know, the folky shit. And then also the fact that, like, back in the days, radio stations would have, like, oh, the countdown of the top 500 bands or the top 500 songs of hard rock or some shit like that. And then at the... It's always Zeppelin at the, at the end the of it. It will always yeah. be Sabbath and Zeppelin at the end, and then Zeppelin would always win, yeah. and I would always be like, "Fuck that!" Like as if I didn't already know that was going to be a thing, but still, you know. So I was just <laughs> yeah. like, "You keep waiting for it to be different." So I was like, kind of like, "Oh yeah, Zeppelin was kind of like the adversary of of Sabbath." Uh, I think Sabbath kind of more resigned to the heavy metal label than accepted it like with open arms, like priest did or whatever but zeppelin straight fucking rejected anything to do with it so which which yeah. it obviously makes sense to me now but at the time i was like yeah well fuck you too then what caused me to actually say i don't really like led zeppelin that much would be that i would be sitting around with somebody you know drinking and talking about fucking you know music or whatever and fucking we'd go for like fucking 45 minutes on rainbow 45 minutes on deep purple 45 minutes on sabbath and then they'd be like but what about led zeppelin though and i'd just be like i don't know i got five minutes for you probably 10 you know (laughs) (laughs) but uh because it's just like you know i never like i didn't sit there with the albums and fucking dissect them and read the liner notes and all that kind of shit like i did with with other bands so that's all but you know but i mean i like them and i and i fucking admire their talent and i admire their songwriting plus and yeah man fucking led zeppelin fucking sick my friend my my uh my homie bobby gave himself a misspelled led zeppelin tattoo on his forearm (laughs) so there's a little oh man you know i i take Led Zeppelin is one of those bands to me that they're important to heavy metal history, mm-hmm. um, despite not being metal. Right? They were a, they were a stepping stone. Yeah. Whereas even like Black Sabbath is where we first everybody kind of definitively says, okay, they're the first metal band. Even then, you know, Black Sabbath, you know, their early shit, it's bluesy. Totally. You know? So. It's kind of like interesting because it's it's really it isn't until Judas Priest when they cut when they you know when they put out um, British Steel well it, like maybe a couple albums before but where they kind of finally removed that blues connection from metal mm-hmm. and heavy metal became its more distinctive because before that everything you considered metal or metal adjacent was just heavy loud blues right you know distorted blues right. and zeppelin was right there you know there they you know there's those key things like john bonham and those drum mm-hmm. sounds and just the way he drum was kind of the template that you know you start pulling from totally whereas you know bill ward i i always felt like he was on par but they never like you'd said before for whatever reason they couldn't quite get that sound on records. Right. I agree. I agree. You know? And you know, uh, Bill Ward was kind of bullied by John Bonham. I guess, I guess John Bonham was like, when he was drinking and shit, he was that guy. And Bill Ward was kind yeah. of like, would kind of let people fuck with them, I guess. You know? I mean, he let Iomi set him on fire. 
Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh so there was there was always kind of like a um I don't know if it was like a big brother, little brother thing with them, something like that. But yeah, he uh uh Bill Ward never got the um never got the love. I think with um with rock drumming, it's always either your uh Neil Pert guy or uh or Bonham guy. You know, a lot of times. Well, it's yeah, it's there's that. It's well, you know, there's Neil Peart, you know, Bonham, Keith Moon, um, who is always thrown in the mix. Yeah, I thought Keith Moon as, was a you know, terrible drummer, like not on par with any, with any <laughs> of these guys that we're talking about. And I and I see like live performances of him, and he's like, I mean, he's a clown back there for sure, you know, and and making a mm-hmm. spectacle of himself and shit, but. Yeah, I don't know. I think he doesn't get. I think he was Hendrix. He was like Hendrix if all Hendrix did was burn his guitars and shit. You know? Yeah. Well, he's also. I think they had mentioned like at one point, you know, someone had like try. They they're recording and fucking around in the studio, and like his footwork and everything else. Like he was he was able to bust out more like beats per you know. Per second or per minute or something than any other. Is that right? Oh, wow. I would have never thought that. Yeah, like he was able to bust out some shit like that. But like it was never on, like, because it's on Stone's records and shit. So, yeah. You know, so it's like I never think of like a monster drummer like that. But yeah, he was like fucking around in drum solos and shit. Like apparently people are like, damn, he's faster than everybody thought. You know, from from what I've heard of albums of his and everything, I would have never guessed he was like undercover Dave Lombardo. Or, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Bonham was. I mean, still to this day, I think people like they want to get his bass drum sound. Still, you know, uh, his snare sound is still a staple. You know, and and it uh, and it goes for a lot of. Zeppelin, you know, um, they have the the rock bass lines with you know, and the Jimmy Page is just the Les Paul through the Marshall. It's the it it's like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Sound, you know. So yeah, man. I mean, I think Zeppelin Zeppelin is the band that defines the seventies. I think for sure. Oh yeah, that's definitely true. And then you know what? Too, I think there's also the. Uh, it's also the thing that, you know, they never sucked. You know, they never got super old and start sucking like other like other bands that, you know, are just like, yeah, damn, you know, fucking uh, pack it in or whatever. So so you never it's almost well, it is because somebody died. I was going to say it's almost like one of those dudes that died. Yeah. But yeah, it is like that. And and it's kind of cool when I was young and starting to be in a band. I thought it was cool that when he died, it was over and they didn't try to like, you know, uh, I kind of wished other bands would have done stuff like that, but that I thought that was like kind of a, like a loyalty or like a, but in reality, I just don't think they thought they could replace him. Yeah. I think it's, you know, you got a guy that you can't really replace. It's going to be a, it's going to be a few years before his kid becomes a monster drummer in his own right. Um, but it's that, and like you said, he goes, he went way back with Plant, mm-hmm. 
So when when the dude that was your best friend in the band and probably just best friend overall in life for years and years and years mm-hmm. dies, it's hard to go to work after that, you know, yeah. and want to do that thing yeah. again because it's missing something that was super important to you. Whereas, you know, like Sabbath is able to go on, you know, not that Bill Ward is dead, (laughs) but that core group has been able to do it without him for better or for worse. Um, So it's, you know, the Stones, when Keith Moon died, they just got a new drummer. Right. You know. (laughs) Uh, The Who. The Who. Yeah. Uh, The Who. But I'm reasonably sure the Stones would have done the same thing if Charlie Watts died. You know, or probably will do the same thing. Um, yeah, I said the Stones earlier too when I meant to say the Who, but you know, yeah, we're not going to ever do an episode on the Who no. so. or the Stones. <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, it's like you said, they're kind of the definitive band of the seventies, and that's cool. You know, that's you know that it's everybody's dad's favorite band. Totally, totally. <laughs> uh, it's, and it's one of those bands that, like, I wonder, like, if Jimmy Page came around, if I would go. I don't, well, now it's not even a fucking thing. Nobody's... <laughs> Isn't it? No one's no going, one's anywhere. going anywhere. You're in a more uh, danger group for people with COVID, too. So you're not... <laughs> yeah. With my... Uh, so you're, with... Like, I can get away with getting yeah. sick. You know, you're... Yeah, I've got obesity <laughs> and uh, advanced age. You're old. Yeah. So yeah, it's like my dad was. My dad was talking about this the other day. He said everything after fifty is in dog years. Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> so. Fuck yeah, it is. It's uh, it's like um, it's like when your co- it's like when your car goes out of warranty. That's where I'm at. Yeah, everything's fucking about to take a shit. <laughs> right until the wheels fall it's... off, and you didn't take good care of that car before the warranty went sure out. Sure anyway, didn't. So. Drove it like a rental. All right, so, well, if it makes you feel any better when you die, I'm not going to continue the podcast because well, I don't want to learn how to edit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I thought it was because I was the best editor in the world. No. Uh, all right. And the most edits per yeah, minute. Yeah, it is going to be a lot of edits, <laughs> but that's all right. I got time. All right, so I guess that's where we'll leave it. So, thank you for listening to another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast with me, Big Frog. And me, Mike Castleberry. Until the next one, we are out.
sign on the wall But she wants to be sure Cause you know sometimes words have There's a songbird who sings Sometimes all of our thoughts are
heaven.